What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita, here on January 2nd. It's a Saturday morning, day after the college football playoff, for a college football playoff recap. We'll talk some other college football, I'm sure, with some of the other bowl games. Probably talk a little bit of college basketball as well. And uh, before we get into everything today, I want to thank our sponsors, and those are our friends over at CBS All Access. Really great streaming service over there. Highly recommend it. Can't recommend it enough. Go to jackvita.com slash CBS. Get a free one-week trial when you sign up today. And also, Fanatics, jackvita.com slash Fanatics. They make some really great sports gear, memorabilia, apparel, Lots of great stuff over there. Um, the holidays may be over, but they still have some good deals going on. There was a 70% clearance sale that I think might still be going on today, so check that out. Lots of great stuff over there. If you didn't get someone what they wanted for Christmas, get them something from Fanatics to uh, make it up to them. We have a lot lined up to get into today, so let me bring in our guest. And this is Andrew Stem who has joined me several times uh, in the past, so I'm sure you all are very familiar with him. And he is a huge college football, college basketball fan, as he writes over at the Omaha World Herald. Did I get that right? Omaha you did. World yep. Herald. Okay, great. It. All right, Omaha World Herald. Uh, and <laughs> as it goes without mentioning, here's Andrew Stem. Uh, thanks for having me on, Jack. It was a interesting day of games yesterday. I... I- am interested to hear your thoughts i don't think at least one of them played out like i'm guessing you thought it would <laughs> certainly not the way i thought it would yeah and, uh, but uh we've got a pretty exciting title game to get ready for here in nine days absolutely and I, that uh ohio state game i don't think anyone was really expecting that outside of columbus ohio that was uh quite a shocker to the rest of the country but i gotta say I'm a lot more excited about this national championship matchup with Ohio State in there than if we had another Alabama-Clemson rematch. Yeah, yeah, I certainly have to agree. I mean, uh, as someone who uh, has has rooted for Michigan for a long time, has a grad degree from Michigan, I can't say <laughs> it's uh, you know exciting to uh, see Ohio State play for it all, but they were certainly... Uh, without question, the better team last night, and it makes for a really intriguing matchup. And uh, you know, we've certainly kind of, I think, gotten tired of Alabama, Clemson. This would have been four or five. So nice to get something a little bit different. Would be nice uh, going back to your expanded playoff if we could get somebody <laughs> other than Alabama, Clemson, or Ohio State. But I guess we're working on that. But it, it'll be a good game. Absolutely. Yeah, so much to get into. We'll talk that uh, expanded playoff as well today. Andrew, what the heck happened last night? I mean, really, I woke up this morning and I still couldn't believe it. I mean, Justin Fields was spectacular. Yeah, he was he was so good, uh, you know, fighting through that injury. Um, I don't I didn't watch all of Clemson's season with a fine tooth comb. So I can't say for sure how much, how big an impact that targeting call had. Um, yeah. And you Did know, you we like could the sit, call. I liked it you actually. Know, you know, I could go either way. I yeah. watched it 150 times. It felt like between replays and what was on social media and everything. And I, I can't just, you know, it, it could be, it couldn't be, um, you know, it's, I, 
to say it this way, I wasn't throwing something upset with the call. I mean, right. it, if if they had gone and reversed it, I'd have been okay with it. And I was, you know, you, you shouldn't you shouldn't tackle like that. So um, anyway, I don't know if the loss of that player was enough. I mean, Ohio State's offense after really that first drive where they got stopped and and you know they they punted and um because I think both teams went three and out on their first drive or, or punted relatively early and then the offenses kind of got going but um you know after that Ohio State just was firing on all cylinders fields even with his injury was throwing pinpoint passes uh there was a time where Brent Venable's defense just seemed to decide they didn't want to cover the tight ends um Luke Farrell and Jeremy Ruckert, I think at one point, had three touchdowns uh, in a row, and there was only one where they weren't hand-wavingly wide open. Um, you know, so, and Ohio State's defense did enough. Uh, I saw some reaction last night where they were talking about how they shut Clemson down, and I don't really think that's the case. I think part of it was, um, you know, some very interesting punts. Yeah. Uh, when, you know, when they, they had a chance at, there was a spot, I think it was late in the first half when they're down 14 and, um, you know, it's fourth and three on your own 43. I feel like that's, that's an instance where you got to go for it, but you know, Clemson decided to punt, um, and Ohio state got enough. They got enough stops. Uh, they made Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence look uncomfortable enough. Um, and credit to them. I do think that the Alabama offense, which I know we'll get to, is going to be a, a very different kind of animal than what they just faced. Yeah. But, uh, you know, credit to the Buckeyes because I know there was a lot of people who didn't think this was going to be much of a game at all. And they, they came out and they took it to the Tigers. I'm mad at myself for falling into that line of thinking because I think the biggest thing is that what we are seeing right now this is why my argument for an expanded playoff and why we should stop having these debates where we run around in circles about, well, we know that this team would give this team another a better game. Notre Dame's going to be more competitive than Oklahoma is or than Cincinnati is. Well, we didn't have very many out-of-conference games this year, so it was so hard to measure up how good are these conferences actually you watched that Florida game earlier in the week, and obviously there are different circumstances with Florida. And Florida, some of those guys chose not to play. They lost some guys from COVID. It seemed like their heart wasn't in it at all, but they still got killed. It was Oklahoma put up 55 points. Oklahoma looked great in that game. The ACC now, which got two teams in the 14 playoffs, so half of this playoff were ACC teams. And uh, we'll see what happens with Notre Dame in the future. If they remain in the ACC, they go back to playing independent. But they get two teams in there, and both of them get wiped out significantly yesterday. Both of them just looked like they were the inferior team on that football field. And then uh, 0-4 in bowl games this year. Yeah, it is not. uh, The ACC has not covered itself in glory. Uh, So I guess they're going to turn to North Carolina tonight to try and save a a little bit of that but yeah it's been it was not a good performance yesterday or as you said all bowl season long by the the ACC and it's especially hard I think this year to kind of you know know where conferences were in relation to one another because there weren't any of those marquee non-conference games yeah um you know you didn't get a 
uh, game either in the Chick-fil-A kickoff classic uh, or anything like that with leagues basically going to all conference games except for one. So it's, it's hard to know where everybody is. And I think that was part of, you know, what played into people kind of discounting Ohio State because yeah. they hadn't looked particularly good against a, a quality opponent. Um I, I would say really all year. I mean, they struggled against Northwestern, could have easily lost that game. They gave up 35 points and almost 500 yards passing when they played Indiana. They looked decent against Penn State before we knew that kind of Penn State was getting off to their shaky start. But, yeah. you know, I mean, it's so you hadn't really seen them tested and you didn't know what to expect. And then they came out and just rolled through and they just rolled through Clemson. And, I guess it's not 100% surprising that the Clemson defense struggled. If you watched Notre Dame when they won in South Bend, like yeah. that, that was a track meet too. So I guess this, you know, injuries, whatever else, it wasn't your typical Brent Venables uh, Clemson defense. But uh, still, still surprised. And I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm looking forward to, to next Monday. I, uh, we got an email at the paper last night. I was I was putting in a late shift and was watching and there's a uh, service that sends out betting lines and uh, AG online in the middle of the fourth quarter actually came out with uh, they had opened with Clemson or uh, sorry Alabama as a seven and a half point favorite but I think the thing that uh, I was more intrigued by was the over under number was set at seventy five and a half that wow is such a <laughs> big number yeah that's crazy oh my goodness yeah. But this was, I mean, I do think the Big Ten, and this is why it's kind of wild that I was so gung-ho on Clemson winning this game by, I thought they win by 10 is what my pick was. And I was in that frame of mind where I was like, well, they didn't look good against quality opponents, and neither did Justin Fields. And this was far and away the best performance I've ever seen from Justin Fields, and I've talked about in the past, I've said, well, here's the thing. When we've seen him in big games, when we've seen him against good defenses, he hasn't looked great. He looked in, he didn't look great. He looked unbelievable last night. That was an outstanding performance. He, uh, I don't know if there's an injury report out there, but I have to think he was playing with at least one broken rib last night. And uh, <laughs> let me pull up these numbers here. He had... There was one point, as, as you go to pull up his final numbers, I know there was one point where he had thrown five touchdown passes and only had four incompletions. Well, he finished 22 of 28, 385 yards, six touchdowns, one pick. It's, a, it's like a Vince Young type of game. I think he ran for a good amount of yards, too. Yeah, somebody actually, it's interesting that you point that out. I can't remember who on social media it was. But somebody in the, I think it was the middle of the third quarter, said this is a this is a Vince Young in <laughs> either of those Rose Bowls because uh, he did it to Michigan the year before or to USC in that BCS national title game. This is a a Vince Young type performance, and uh, that's that's absolutely what it was. He was phenomenal, and that's an outstanding college comparison. But hopefully not the NFL comparison that you want to have. Yeah, that is that is certainly true. There was a lot of discussion about uh, who was going to, you know, draft picks and, and things like that last night as the game wore on when people needed something to talk about since uh, the game had kind of gotten out of hand. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if he Justin Fields has gotten back into this being number one. No. But, uh, 
he, he certainly he certainly looked good last night. I, I'm not sure, and I know it's going to depend on, you know, um, kind of what, what general managers are looking for, but there are a few good quarterbacks that I, I think uh, are going to be vying for the second quarterback off the board but that's that's another discussion probably for another time oh no let's do it now i think that's a that's a good one we can run through here i am with you andrew because i think that i i I couldn't believe i mean people kind of needed something to talk about there's no way on earth that trevor is not the number one overall pick this year barring some unfortunate set of circumstances that i don't want to even bring up but right right but uh, as things are right now, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one overall pick. Teams have had this guy on. It's like they've. <laughs> it's like they had it on their calendars two years ago. Tank for Trevor in two years. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's been uh, a potentially just. A, I won't even say as what his future holds, but he's a generational prospect. We don't see these guys come around too often. The Jaguars aren't going to pass up on him. I don't think that one game out of Justin Fields. And again, we got to see what he does against Alabama because it's it was only one game. If he has another performance like this, then you start talking about, okay, well, number two, probably Justin Fields, or maybe the Jets don't even want a quarterback at two. Maybe they want to run it back another year with Darnold. But I would say right now, I would have Zach Wilson as my number two guy. Uh, there's quite a few mock drafts that have him going number two to the Jets. Yeah. Which, um, you know, not going to lie, I was sort of hoping that uh, he would fall further. Yeah, like for have the Lions. A, have a, well, even more so what I'm hoping for is that the Lions can get a good skill position pick at seven. Okay. Uh, they're, they're at seven right now. It would be nice if, I don't know, the Eagles won and, and other that. Um, ideally, and I don't think this is going to work out, but for the Lions, I would love for the Lions to somehow get Devonta Smith and then trade back into the end of the first round and, you know, get one of the – I don't know how long Trask is going to last on the board. There are some good quarterbacks out there and get a guy that they can start building around, but we'll we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, I I had not realized – like, I'd followed Zach Wilson, and I did not realize that NFL evaluators – because it's not just one. Like, I've seen probably half a dozen mock drafts that had him going number two. And – it you know, seems that he really jumped up after that Justin Fields Northwestern game is what I noticed. Or maybe it was a little before that. I think it was maybe after the Coastal game, even though he didn't look great in the Coastal game. But it, it definitely was something that recently has gained a lot of momentum over the last few weeks. And then he had that game against UCF where he just looked outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I had not realized that. And I think I, I do not envy the Jets. Um, you know, they're going to have an interesting decision to make and, uh, they may finally have someone, I I think they have a new, a new GM, right? So maybe they finally got, maybe they finally got somebody who can make a good decision and maybe you, maybe you want to go with Fields at two or Wilson, or maybe you go in a different direction and try to ride with Darnold. It'll be, it'll be interesting, but there's, you know, somebody who's going to be in the latter half of the top 10 that's going to have an option if they need a quarterback Maybe Fields, maybe Trask, maybe the Jets decide to go in a different direction, and maybe Zach Wilson's still there. So it, it will be interesting to watch the the top ten of that draft shake out. Yeah, it's very difficult to assess Fields, Trask, and Mac Jones just because there's so much talent around all those guys. And we saw 
Trask without some of those weapons, and some of his passes the other night were just lame ducks. Now, I still think he'll be a first-round guy, but I, I do think that may have dropped him a little later in the draft. He might be a mid or a late first round now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you've seen quite a bit of Trey Lance in North Dakota State, right? Yeah, I, he's a guy that, um, you know, they only had their one game this year, and then he shut it down. Um, when the FCS decided to move to the spring. And then I think he said he was not going to play and go for the draft. I'm, I'm pretty sure, but I have to have to check. But yeah, uh, they're pretty big around here. There are a fair number of players from the, the Omaha metro area who go to play for North Dakota State, South Dakota State. So their games get a lot of pub. And um, he's a guy who, you know, kind of like uh, Carson Wentz, a few years ago, uh, played in the FCS rankings, but he's got he's got the mobility, he's got the the frame, he's got everything you're looking for. He's a guy, maybe that. Uh, now you've reminded me that maybe the Lions should be thinking about <laughs> yeah. sneaking in towards the the latter end of the first round, or maybe early in the second round. That a guy you might not necessarily want to start the 2021 season, but yeah. he's a guy that I think you can you know take and build around and and make your quarterback for the future. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this draft. Devontae Smith, is he your Heisman pick? I mean, we haven't talked too much about the Heisman over the past few weeks. I feel like each week we just kind of provide a little rundown of where people stand. But honestly, he he wasn't really on my radar until later in the season, until I started to notice just, I mean, I'd seen him play. I knew he was remarkable. But again, when you have Harris, you have Jones, like there's so much talent. It's like, which Alabama guy do you want to give it to? It's a weird year for the Heisman. But once I started to see those numbers that he was putting together, he, I think he would be my pick at this point. I, I would agree. I don't think he's going to win it. And I'm actually kind of disappointed that you said he was going to be your pick too because I was all set to come <laughs> on here with a hot take like Devonta Smith should win the Heisman, but he won't win the Heisman because I He's not a quarterback. Because... Yeah, it's always quarterbacks or running backs. Like, I can't remember. I have to look. Was Desmond Howard the yeah. last wide receiver to win it? He was. Um, so it's like if you're not a, a running back or a, a quarterback, it seems like it's virtually impossible to win the Heisman. But if there was ever going to be a year with what he's done, you know, 20 touchdowns this season, um, he's just been unbelievable and that that third touchdown catch he had last night with uh, the nfl toe tap to get both <laughs> feet in uh i mean his route running is spectacular he is polished and ready to go and has been outstanding and he should win it i don't know if he will the the meaning of the heisman has kind of gotten lost lost faith heisman over the last 20 years um yeah. You know, to, when it says to go to the most outstanding player in college football and then the most outstanding player in college football hardly ever wins it anymore. I mean, it was it was not right. hard to argue with Joe Burrow a year ago, but I mean, I've kind yeah. of been jaded ever since I feel like 2001 or 2002 when LaDainian Tomlinson at TCU rushed for 2,000 yards and was clearly, you know, won the Doak Walker Award, all those things, and then it ended up going. I can't even remember who won the Heisman. He didn't even. He wasn't even a finalist. I'm pulled it up right now to look at the history. I was curious the last time a receiver was a finalist for the award. Was a, do you want to? Do you want to take a stab at that one? Uh, no, I shouldn't. I know it was somebody since Randy Moss, but I'm not going to think of who. 
There's so, I'll give you the year if you want to take a stab at okay. it. 2014. 2014. Uh, let's see. Before that, it was Larry Fitzgerald in 03. Before that, it was Fitz. Okay. That wouldn't have been Calvin Ridley, would it? No. It was a, it was a guy at Alabama, though. Not Julio. That's too... Yes, there's a guy in between those two guys. Uh, who am I missing? I can't think of Amari Cooper. Cooper. Yeah. 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 So, man. But it's just, like, I, I don't think there's any question that he is the best player in college football for whatever sort of metric you want to use to ascribe that to. But, you know, the Heisman Trust over the last 20 years has basically just kind of decided we're going to give it to the quarterback or running back who puts up the best numbers on one of right. the best teams. So he should win it. I don't think that he will. Um, I would love to be pleasantly surprised on, on Tuesday. Right, I think it's Tuesday when they announce it. That, yeah, uh, Tuesday night. I would be pleasantly surprised if he does. But uh, I, I'm at this point, I've just kind of decided it's going to be one of those quarterbacks. Yeah, but the question is, which one? Do you think it'll be Trask? I mean, he's put up the best numbers. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, uh, another guy who, who should have been a finalist and wasn't, I feel like Kyle Pitts. Uh, yeah. His, he, is, yeah. he has been spectacular and uh, has gone rocketing up, you know, NFL draft list. He's been awesome, um, but I mean... It's it's like when is a tight end going to win the Heisman? Never. So <laughs> right. um, you know he'll just have to be happy with winning. And I can't remember which former tight end the the tight the year award is named after these days. But you know, be content to win that. And um, I mean, Trask had the best numbers, and so I, I and they won a bunch of games. Although they, you know, I guess they they lost their last two, and I don't know if. Or, you know, three of their last four, something along those lines. They lost three in a row? Did they lose to LSU? Yeah, they lost three in a row, Florida did. So was that, they lost to LSU, then they lost in the championship game. And then, I mean, I know the votes would Oklahoma. have been in before the, um, yeah. the bowl game. But I don't know if that slide hurts them a little bit. You know, if they beat LSU, if they... I mean, it's not like they did play poorly in the SEC title game. But, um, you know, he had the best numbers. I, I don't think Lawrence wins it just because I feel like he missed those games and you, you, I don't know how you can like I mean you can if he's really the best player but if you miss close to half the season don't know how you, yeah how you can do that so I mean it seems like it's gonna be Trask Jones or Justin Fields but man I don't know. Well, this reminds me a little bit. I was just thinking as you were talking about pits in terms of like a receiver tight end combo, two guys that were potentially the two best players in college football in a given year. It just brought me back once I saw Larry Fitzgerald's name to that 03 season, Larry Fitzgerald at Pitt and Kellen Winslow Jr. at Miami. Yeah, yeah, man, those guys. Oh, that takes me back watching watching college football then and uh you know it does kind of seem like maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised um you know since you can't really decide between the three quarterbacks maybe this is yeah maybe they may split the vote from each other and then you got the all the people who believe in well it should go to the best player smith is the best player and that could be the chance for him to win who knows Maybe, maybe they'll sneak in that would be 
I, that would be very exciting to see people recognize the guy who had, uh, who is the best player in college football to win the award for being the, the best football player in college. Absolutely. So circling back to takeaways from yesterday, the other thing, we touched on it briefly, Big Ten, I thought, was disrespected all season long. Northwestern's bowl game yesterday, they're playing a disappointing Auburn team that fired their coach. That was not a good Auburn season this year. Indiana today plays a 4-5 and five Ole Miss team. And really, I felt like the Big Ten did not get a whole lot of respect this year. Wisconsin, who is your very was a very average team this year in terms of Big Ten play, they play Wake Forest, another ACC opponent, and they blow them out. And then uh, Iowa got their bowl game canceled, but I think Iowa would have probably beaten someone pretty good. The country, I think, has been sleeping on the Big Ten, and I believe it showed last night. Yeah. No, and I think it's one of those things where, you know, people were like, oh, the Big Ten is down this year. Well, Michigan struggled and Penn State struggled, but that doesn't mean the Big Ten was bad. Um, Yeah. You know, and you you talk about Northwestern, they were missing their, what, number one and number three running backs who both put their names into the transfer portal. And it was honestly, I felt like the best offensive performance Northwestern had put on maybe since the first or second week of the season. Yeah. Uh, this was, you know, they they kind of settled into a point where uh, they had felt like they if they scored 17, they knew they were going to win. Their defense, except against Ohio State in the Big Ten title game, they knew their defense was good enough. If they scored, once they hit that 17, 20-point threshold, they knew they were going to be good enough to win. And uh, But the, their offense looked spectacular yesterday, and... Um, yeah, I think a lot of people, I think you're right, slept on the Big Ten. Iowa, I probably would have rolled. I think they were going to play Missouri in the... That would have been a good game. I can't remember what the, the corporate sponsor... It's It used to be the <laughs> Music City Bowl. I know it's not anymore. It's whatever corporate sponsor it is. I think that's who they were going to play. Um, you know, that game got canceled, but Iowa... Started out, lost their first couple of games, and then they were playing as well as anybody, and... Um, so, yeah, and the Big Ten did enough, apparently, to unless Ohio State had just kind of uh, was rope-a-doping all during the, the regular season, just kind of trying to lull Clemson into a false sense of security. <laughs> the Big Ten prepared them to, to go out and do it, and uh, they certainly took it to them last night. Yeah, it's really unfortunate that Northwestern did not get a bigger opponent. Same thing with Indiana. And I do think there's something to what you said with neither of those schools being traditional football powers that maybe Wisconsin or Michigan, Penn State, one of those schools, you put in that same exact resume and now they're playing in a New Year's Six game. But yeah, it's just frustrating because you only have really one big bowl game for a Big Ten team. Also, by the way, I know that the Rose Bowl changes every single year, and it's not the traditional Rose Bowl. And maybe the Rose Bowl can still exist under a different name. But I think that every single year, as we are set up right now with a four-team playoff, the Big Ten team, the best Big Ten team that doesn't make the playoff or the Big Ten champ, 
should always play the Pac-12 champion. It's too much history with that game to not have it year in and year out. I wholeheartedly agree. It's It was very weird. I mean, I know yesterday's was the, the Rose Bowl game, in quotes, yeah. um, in Texas. But it's it's very weird. And, like, I know every few years, you know, when, when it's a national semifinal, like, it was really weird that for as great a game as it was, it was really strange to watch the Oklahoma-Georgia game from a few years ago uh, yeah. be played in the Rose Bowl. And even, yeah. the, even that first semifinal when it was Oregon and Florida State, that's just that's just so odd. Like, it should be Big Ten and Pac-12 and, you know, figure it out. Um, but, yeah, no, the conference, and I don't know whether it's, you know, there, there are some rumblings, especially in Indiana, that uh, – the conference commissioner Kevin Warren didn't do enough to advocate for them um, to make it better to get them into a New Year's Six bowl. Um, you know, but well, he did. I the Big Ten shot itself in the foot by being the first team, the first conference to say we're not going to play this year. I mean, that was a mess of a situation. It's unbelievable that they were able to to play this year for that matter. And I think that move in itself. I don't know. I wouldn't say that it... I don't think other conferences necessarily got mad at them, but I think they were thinking oh, there was definitely more pressure on them to cancel their seasons. So I think the Big Ten with Kevin Warren, I do think he hurt that. If he didn't just for that alone, it, maybe there's nothing there. Maybe there is something there. But at the very least, they end up playing less games. And I do know that some of these other national people looking at the sport on national level or other conferences for that matter looked at the Big Ten and said, well, you only played six games. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, it, it's it would be nice to see Indiana. They've been such a good story this year and to see them just kind of roll through Ole Miss. Um, you know, part of it, I think, is that because of the way they changed the bowl eligibility this year, I mean, yeah. also with the SEC getting three teams into the New Year Six, I know that kind of shoves everybody up, but it, yeah. it, it would have been good to, have, even if they'd stayed, you know, Indiana, if they'd stayed in the Outback Bowl, it would have been nice to have seen them get a better opponent than the one that they got. But after kind of the, the you know, the top few teams, it was sort of like the SEC was pretty average. Like LSU was three and seven or, yep. um, you know, Kentucky's playing NC State today in one of those other bowl games that they were four and six. Vanderbilt wasn't any good. Like Missouri was okay, and they got called up to play in the the game they were going to play Iowa, and uh, there just wasn't a lot of good marquee opponents. But it would have been nice to see Indiana play somebody a little bit better than uh, than they're playing today. Yeah, and that one's kind of odd too because Indiana finished better than Iowa did. At least they lost one game. Iowa lost two. Missouri is a better, would have been a better opponent than Ole Miss would be. So I don't even know what they're going for with some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, I don't, you know, it's, you kind of pick and the bowl representatives go with who they think will draw eyeballs. And, yeah. you know, Iowa's well washed because the whole state will watch them play. And there's a, there's a lot of politics. There's a lot wrong with the bowl system. Oh, yeah. And that's another thing is we got a lot of guys this year opting out of bowl games. And that's unfortunate because, you know, obviously you want as many guys playing in these games as possible. I think that there's an argument within that for an expanded playoff and also an argument against an expanded playoff because 
if you're expanding this playoff and now all of a sudden Florida is in a 16 team playoff or, you know, I created that crazy 24 team playoff. If we had some bigger playoff, there's no way these guys are going to opt out. They're all going to play. But then as a result, then the, uh, the other bowl games outside of that top 16 or top 24, perhaps they end up becoming less meaningful or at least to the players, some of them look at them and say, like, if you play at Auburn and this is the bowl game that you get, you're not in that top 24, it's like, oh, okay, let's just go home. Like, what's the point of that? Yeah, I mean, I get that at the at on the flip side. And, you know, normally I guess a, a bowl game is kind of a reward for having a good season. I know this year's a little yeah. bit different, but... Um, you're like, will we? Would we be less? Would we be worse off if, you know, my apologies to these corporate sponsors, but if the Cheetah Bowl <laughs> didn't happen or the the Duke's Mayo Bowl didn't happen, like, you know, there there are some of the big ones. Like if the if the Rose Bowl or the Orange Bowl went away, we would be sad. Like, so you want to make sure that yeah. you can. And I don't know whether that's you know for the quarterfinals, for the semifinals, how you would ultimately do it. Like, you want to preserve those games because they've been big for for so long like but you know some of these other ones the 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 camilla bowl the you know the i mean like the the smurf turf one the one that's the famous idaho potato bowl i know that was postponed this year but like i mean it's neat that you go and get to play on the blue turf i guess but like if they stopped playing a bowl game in boise idaho would people you know we'd be sad about it um so if you know that there are too many bowl games, and they're, they, I know they're trying to add more to get to the point where there's uh, 40, I think, or something along those lines when they're all happening. Um, you know, that's if, if the bowl system gets reshuffled due to an expanded playoff, uh, I don't think a, peop, a lot of people outside of those bowl organizers who make hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars just to, to put on this game, I don't think a lot of people will be upset about that. They, they, we can figure out a way to make sure that the deserving teams who have good seasons but don't make the playoffs still get rewarded. Um, we don't need to be scraping the bottom of the barrel for six and six Big Twelve team to play somebody from you know another six and six team from the AAC or something along those lines. We don't we don't need that. Yeah. So again, unfortunate Cincinnati. This is where another one. Cincinnati lost yesterday to Georgia on a booming 53-yard field goal. Andrew, what percentage of kickers at that level of college football hit a 53-yard field goal in that spot? I have to think less than 50%, right? Probably. I mean, I you know it was Georgia's had good kickers, so I guess maybe they've yeah. they've, they've found something from uh, Rodrigo Blankenship, and and now the the guy who made the kick yesterday, his name escapes me at the moment. But I mean, that there's a reason that uh, hashtag College Kickers is a thing. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you spend a regular Saturday watching college football and you have Twitter open, um, you know, routine field goals get missed all the time. So it's not one of those things where you can just say, oh yeah, you know. In the NFL, most kickers, not all, but most, you see a 53-yarder and go, okay, there's a at least a 60-40 chance this kick is good. But uh, most college kickers, you know, maybe they have the leg but not the accuracy or the accuracy but not the leg. And, yeah, I would definitely say under 50%, you can assume that that's going to be good. 
and it was you know some some unfortunate clock management there uh, yep by the Bearcats at the end but they certainly you know you don't want moral victories and and I know this but they certainly acquitted themselves very well because you know you get one of those group of five games playing group of five teams playing against a, a power five team and everybody just kind of the assumption is that the power five team is just going to roll them and Cincinnati looked every bit like they belonged on the same field with Georgia. And, you know, a couple of things go a little bit differently. They win that game. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, I don't think anyone can use that game as an argument against a team like Cincinnati being allowed in the playoff because I actually think that they, as you mentioned, they I thought they proved themselves. It's funny how sometimes we get hung up on and we over-exaggerate or have a takeaway based on if a college kicker makes a 53-yard field goal or not because then he misses that and you have the the argument maybe pushes back a little more on the other side of things. And so I thought that I was glad, obviously, there is always a group, typically a group of five team in a New Year's Six Bowl, and I'm glad they got in there. I'm glad they played Georgia, and Georgia, I think Georgia looks really good going into next year. They're a team that, you know, disappointed a little bit early in the season, but they're building something for next year with Kirby Smart, and I mean, that's that's not a game to sneeze at. That was a very good opponent. I just think it's kind of funny, though, that we get so hung up on wins and losses uh, to a certain degree. And as you mentioned, there there are no moral victories. And for Cincinnati and their fans, it is unfortunate that that didn't result in winning a bowl game after this really great historic season that they had. But it's just, yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. I do. I do. And uh, just something that doesn't really have anything to do with anything, but as we're discussing this game, it makes me think about it sartorily. Uh, the way teams were dressed, this was that was the best bowl game to watch. I loved uh, <laughs> Cincinnati's all red with the black helmets and yeah. Georgia's black jerseys. It just it looked really good. Yeah, um, you know, not necessarily the, the typical type jersey for either one because I don't think those are your regular uh, ones, but it looked really good on TV. And uh, you know, Cincinnati has a lot to be proud of. And I think you're right. I think Georgia is definitely building for next year and uh they will be looking to get back into the playoff and i think they stand a good shot to do it yeah i also think oklahoma is looking really strong moving into next year as well yeah spencer rattler uh has all kinds of momentum built up for the next campaign the way he played against florida he was he was very good oh yeah and it's crazy to think i mean hey he could get drafted earlier than that but technically they could still have this guy for another three years yep yeah yeah with all the with the eligibility waivers for this year and all that oh yeah he could be another four years then yep yeah (laughs) because there there'll be a lot of i mean you'd figure that most guys won't choose to but there are probably some guys who just look at it and go you know what i'm just i like playing college football college football is kind of my thing and stick around and play for a long time so (laughs) <laughs> I think of that Matt Leinart commercial from a few years ago. He's like, I could go back to college. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, and then they, they did the other thing where Coastal Carolina doesn't, I mean, understand you're only going to put one team in the New Year's Six, which I don't like, but obviously this thing's motivated by dollars. And 
bigger schools have bigger fan bases. It's pretty simple. But you put, nevertheless, be nice if you put Coastal up against Miami or one of these teams that the committee seems to love uh, that did not get a New Year's Six. And instead, they just do the thing where in the NCAA tournament, sometimes they stack up mid-majors to beat each other and knock each other out. And so Coastal Carolina, Liberty, maybe the best bowl game of the year. It was a great game. And Coastal was so much fun to watch this year. I love that BYU game. That was an outstanding, great game to watch. But at the end of the day, now what ends up happening is if they beat Liberty, nobody is really going to give them any credit. It's a similar thing where Liberty is technically they're an independent school, but they're kind of in the same spot as Coastal as a team that's sort of like a mid-major that doesn't have a whole lot of respect. As a result, they end up losing that game. And once again, you get the same type of thing where it's like, oh, well, if they can't even beat Liberty, how on earth are they supposed to beat Alabama? Instead, however, it's like you have to understand that Liberty is a really good team. It's just so unfortunate that we don't have a system for those really good overlooked teams to get a chance. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's one of those things where, you know, people, like you said, will will point out and be like, see, well, they, they didn't win this game. But, like, there's an obvious motivating factor that's different when you think, all right, hey, we're going to play, you know, Cincinnati got up to play Georgia, right? Like, mm-hmm. like this is our shot. And, you know, Coastal, I assume, thought they were going to get that or yeah. you know, were hopeful. And then it's like, well, hey, you're going to play Liberty. And, like, Liberty is nothing to shake a stick at. They were quite good this year. And, you know, they were, I think, 25th in the most recent, the final playoff rankings. But, like, you think you're going to play a, a Georgia or a Texas A&M or somebody like that. And then it's like, oh, well, you're going to play Liberty instead. And, you know, it's hard to get fired up or as fired up for that. And conversely, Liberty's all fired up. They're like, man, this is our shot to really prove something. We're going to go out there. So, you know, it's it's a shame that people will look at that and say, oh, well, we should totally discount the season that Coastal had because they didn't win this game. It's it's a shame. Yeah, it's the same exact thing with Louisiana earlier that day. The Raging Cajuns, CBS Sports is rankings and – Obviously, CBS and I are in cahoots, but I'm a big fan of CBS Sports. I think they do a really great job with their CBS Sports HQ, and I think they do a really good job. They have a 130-team ranking of all the 130 FBS schools. Have you seen those rankings before, Andrew? Do you ever look at those? Yeah, I do. Yeah, pretty good, and I think they do a good job of recognizing some of those overlooked teams. They had Louisiana before their bowl game. I think they were like... 15 maybe number 15 in the country and they're playing ut san antonio the 64th best team according to their rankings and so that was the exact same thing i watched with that team they just looked kind of lifeless like they were sleepwalking through that game it's like we beat iowa state by 17 points and you put Iowa State, who actually, again, here's the thing. I, there are a lot of really good teams this year, Andrew. I think there are a lot of teams. I like Iowa State. I like Brock Purdy. I think that's a good program. But the Sun Belt went 3-0 and against the Big 12 this year. Louisiana should have gotten a bigger bowl game. I mean, in, in my opinion, they outperformed Iowa State. They yeah. won that game big. Only lost one game all year. It was a close one to Coastal. Unfortunately, that Sun Belt 
conference championship game got wiped out because that would have been a really fun rematch. But it was the same exact thing with Louisiana. And then another thing is, so the Big 12, another conference that Big 12 didn't get too much love this year. I mean, hey, I think a lot of people said it's good. And like I mentioned, they, they didn't do well against the Sun Belt. Big 12, 4-0 in these bowl games. And again, you can't look too much into these bowl standings and how the conferences do, but they're, they're winning their bowl games. Oklahoma looked like a really good team. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, Oklahoma looked good, and, uh, you know, Texas looked good. And um, although, interestingly, there's a, a note coming across here. I don't know if you've seen this. Apparently, Texas just fired Tom Herman. Oh, my gosh. No, I did not. <laughs> Breaking news. Oh, my goodness. Uh, out after four years, and after it's everybody thought that, I don't know if that means that they've discovered that there's a coach available that they didn't Ooh, think was previously yeah. going to be. Um, Urban or, Meyer, maybe. Maybe, or or what have you. But Because um, it sounded like they, you know, initially that Meyer had said no and that they were going to, then they were going to stick with Tom Herman. And just weird that especially after looking so good in their bowl game. Um, yeah. But yeah, and West Virginia had a nice rally against Army. It's yeah. tough to beat. Army's a good team, too. They were Ar- top 25 team this year. Army's good, and it's always tough to beat the uh, the service academies, given the way that they play, and you don't typically prepare for the triple option and things of that nature. Right. So yeah, yeah, the Big 12, Big 12 had a good, had a good season, uh, bowl season anyway, and um, I'm really intrigued with the Iowa State-Oregon game tonight. I think that uh, yeah, it has the possibility to be a lot of fun, which you know would be nice after given the way that, except for Cincinnati, Georgia, kind of all the rest of the New Year's six games have gone so far. That uh, it would be nice if we get a couple of good ones tonight. Yeah, Andrew, that's really interesting that Tom Herman got fired. I'm pretty surprised. I do think they were starting to come on strong late in the season. Looked like they were similarly to some of these other schools that we talk about building something really interesting for next year. I am interested to see what coach is going to fill that spot. I mean, could it be Luke Fickle? Jamie Chadwell is another guy that we're kind of seeing pop up a little bit and what he's done with Coastal. And then uh, there's that coach at Louisiana. But then the Urban Meyer thing, I don't know. I think Urban Meyer might want to do that. I was thinking about this recently. I started reading the Tom Verducci book about the Cubs. Have you read that? Yes. Yeah. And the way that he describes Theo's disinterest in Boston towards the end of that and how he just kind of got bored and he wanted to take on a new challenge. And it seemed eerily similar to what happened with the Cubs over the last couple of years, where it seems like this is a guy who wants to he enjoys that thrill of winning that first championship and rebuilding and remanaging and reloading rather than he does maintaining it and staying at the top. I do think that there could be something with that with Urban Meyer, that he enjoyed going to Florida, bringing back Florida football, bringing back Ohio State football, and uh, Texas would absolutely be that spot if he wanted to do that again. Well, it looks like, um, and, and there's no, not, not, confirmation yet um but 24 7 which i know is affiliated with the the cbs brand so we so we we will be good corporate uh pitch (laughs) but uh chip brown the texas guy at 24 7 sports uh says that it's expected that alabama offensive coordinator steve sarkeesian is expected to be named the new coach at texas 
Wow, that'd be an awesome redemption story if he was able to turn that program around. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. I didn't know if uh, just just surprising the way this this timeline all kind of went. Yeah, because you'd figure if they decided they wanted to get rid of Herman, why wait until after ball games and all that? Right. But but stuff is happening, so we'll see. But, uh, you know, just uh, I know by the time people listen to this, it won't be breaking news anymore, but <laughs> we're breaking it as we're talking about it. So, yeah, that's always fun. The Alabama Notre Dame game, which we sort of mentioned a little bit, Alabama was it was interesting to see the uh, conflicting offensive strategies where you had a time of possession team and another team that could score at will. I think that game was pretty much what everyone expected it to be. Again, why I didn't want to see Notre Dame in there. I wanted to see something new. But one of my takeaways, Andrew, from this playoff, with what happened yesterday with Ohio State, with seeing some of the conference championship games where Alabama, hey, Alabama's a great team, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about what we expect to see next week at the very end of this. But, I mean, Alabama one score game against Florida a team that was trending downwards. And then Ohio state really struggled against Northwestern. One of my takeaways over the last few weeks of the season is I think that gap that we talk so much about, about Alabama, there's Alabama, there's Clemson, and then there's everybody else. And maybe you put Ohio state in there. Maybe you put Oklahoma in there, Notre Dame, maybe you put Georgia I think that gap, I mean, Georgia yesterday almost lost to Cincinnati. Notre Dame did not look good yesterday. Uh, Clemson did not look good yesterday. I think that that gap might be a little bit more of a figment of our own imagination based on the fact that we only allow four teams in, that we allow the same teams in pretty much. We don't let too many teams get a crack into that group. Hey, we do have to give these schools credit for repeating that success and staying up at the top. But I do think that that gap that we talk about, that we look at, I don't think that that gap, it might not be as big as we once thought it was. You know, maybe. Uh, there's definitely an on any given Saturday. But yeah. I, I do think that Part of it is not necessarily self-fulfilling, but as long as the playoff stays the same size. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there's something about, uh, I can't remember what the specific recruiting stat is, but something, an insane number of five-star prospects out of high school the last four or five years have picked either Alabama, Clemson, or Ohio State. So it's kind of one of those cycles that sort of keeps repeating itself in that, the best guys want to go and play for a national championship, and the best place, the best schools right now to do that are Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State. So, yep. Um, I mean, I think it's it's interesting to say maybe your takeaways because I feel like when I watched the game yesterday, there was the gulf between where Notre Dame is and where Alabama is. Oh, is yeah. pretty evident. Yeah. Um, so that maybe on any given, you know, Saturday, like Northwestern can hang with Ohio State. Indiana can hang with Ohio State. Right. And so maybe that shows the gulf is closer. 
And then conversely, I felt like when I looked and watched the game yesterday, like Notre Dame is a top 15 recruiting school because, you know, a bunch of my friends are Notre Dame. So I watched our Notre Dame fans. So I watched them have this discussion on social media yesterday uh, while the game was going on. And they, I think they averaged the last three or four years to be a top 15 recruiting school. Um, But the difference in talent was so evident yesterday. Right. Um, so, so they're kind of conflicting results. Like there are some that make you say, oh yeah, the, the golf isn't that big and there are, the gap isn't that big. And then there are others and you look at, well, if this is the difference between Alabama and Notre Dame and kind of where we think Notre Dame is that yeah. then maybe this, this gap exists. It's, it's hard to tell. Like there's, there's varying evidence of both. And sometimes I feel like there are those three schools and then the rest of the power five are basically playing for that fourth spot and then there are other times where you know you watch northwestern give ohio state everything it wants and then some and then you go well maybe it's it's not so big so i think part of it is it's it's obviously a combination of of coaching and and talent but you know with national signing day just over the the rich keep getting richer and uh it may it may very well take an expanded playoff to kind of break up that cycle yeah, I totally agree. I think that the thing is, it made me think, how good are these ACC teams? Obviously, we know how good Clemson's been in the past, but they're not the. No team is the same every single year. So Clemson won it two years ago by a large margin against Alabama. Last year, LSU beat everybody by a large margin. But if you kind of go back to Clemson last year, ACC, we talked about last year maybe it's the weakest power five conference maybe the pac-12 is even better if you look at the teams that they're playing this year i think the acc was a little over glorified i do think north carolina is good i think miami is a decent team but again we're seeing some of these results when these acc teams are playing out of conference and so that made me wonder i mean how how good was notre dame this year if northwestern or indiana played notre dame is Indiana, I'll use the Indiana example. Indiana, maybe they're the best team in the state of Indiana. Maybe there's a little more in some of these conferences, such as the Big Ten, or if you want to go a little further down to the group of five schools, maybe there's just a little more there. It's just so hard to tell because we don't, as we have it right now, and then we have a season this year, we just don't get enough, we didn't get enough out-of-conference play, Coastal's not going to get their crack at Notre Dame. It just, it's not working that way. Yeah, yes. You know, you mentioned those teams, but, you know, Notre Dame struggled with Syracuse for a long time. Yeah. Boston College, and, you know, they, they could have lost uh, uh, two or three other games, so it's like there was Clemson, there was Notre Dame, you talked about North Carolina and Miami, and then the rest of the ACC was a, a whole lot of average. Like Wake Forest, Louisville, I mean, none of those teams, you know, Florida State was not very good. You know, it, you know I would say they had a similar year except for the very, you know, it's, it's weird that people didn't say the ACC struggled when some of their flagship programs like Florida State and Louisville were not yeah. very good. 
Whereas the narrative, as we talked about earlier, was that the Big Ten was struggling because yeah. like Penn State and Michigan weren't very good. It's just just interesting that narratives apply to some places but not to others. Yeah, do you think that's a coastal bias? I, maybe. I mean, it, it helped that you know Clemson has become kind of a media darling, and so they were since they were really good. Um, you know, they kind of carried it, and with Notre Dame being in the ACC. Uh, you know, I think they're, you know, I know some of my Notre Dame fan friends will say differently, but I feel like the, the media generally, I think has favors, not favors, but they, they have good feelings about Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, I think Notre Dame generally on a whole gets pretty good media coverage. So when you have those two teams and they're doing well, it's kind of like, Oh, okay. They, they can carry the fl- the banner for the rest of the conference. But, um, you know, there were, there were a lot of decidedly average teams in the ACC. And uh, I think the fact that the the two best teams in the league were beating up on a lot of decidedly average teams uh, came to roost and was shown yesterday. Yeah, we just, we got to get to a point where we're not 50% of the playoff is coming from a conference such as the ACC and or maybe it would be the SEC. So I'm curious, Andrew, because you and I have had conversations off the air we've talked about over the years in terms of what you'd like to see as a playoff system in the future what would be your favorite model what would you like to see um i mean i it was interesting also watching people make arguments yesterday when they're like you can't expand the playoff because it's too many games even though every other level of college football (laughs) yeah FCS Division Two and Division Three have at least sixteen team playoffs, um, so maybe you have to dial back the regular season a game, I guess. But the reason the NCAA tournament is so wonderful, <laughs> or one of the many reasons, and the reason yeah. that the you know the the championship week is so great, is that you enter this with the idea that if you win your conference, whatever you know for the long time it was the Ivy League, they didn't have a conference tournament, so it was the regular season champ. Or whatever, but if you win your conference, you have a chance to play for the national championship. And like that's you know that's in every other NCAA sport that exists that has a postseason tournament. Like yeah, I, I'm not a hundred percent familiar with the. I, I know their qualification standards for things like cross country and track and field and swimming and diving. But for every sport where there is a postseason tournament, if you win your conference you get to go and compete for the national championship, whether it's, whether it's tennis, whether it's volleyball, whether it's softball, baseball, basketball, ice hockey, all, field hockey, all of those things. If you win your conference tournament or you win your conference, however your conference is designated, you get to go play for the national championship. FBS football is the only realm where that does not exist. And it's stupid. Yeah. You know, it, you want to do 12, you want to do 16. Um, I think 12 works out because we've there are 10 football conferences now. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Um, well, then you've got 10. Every conference champion, and they all 10 play conference championship games now. So it's, it's easy to determine a conference champion. Yeah. You win your conference championship game, you go into, and then you can hold two wild card spots for... You know, if, if, say, a team like Notre Dame, as if they don't join the ACC permanently, you know, if they go undefeated or have one loss and they put out a really good campaign, or there's one other team in another league that, um, 
you know, has a good season and just loses one game and maybe goes undefeated and then loses on the a last second field goal in a conference title game or something. Yeah. If you, you look at that and you say they deserve to be in fine. Or, or if you think 16 is better, that's fine too, but it needs to start with at least enough so that if you win your conference, you legitimately have a chance. Now, do I think that in most years, the team that wins conference USA is going to win a national title? No, I don't. Um, for the same reason that you know a team from the Summit League in basketball is not thought of as being a national championship favorite. But if you win it, you have a chance. And that's all you can ask for is to have a shot at it. And right now, I mean, realistically, the list of teams, I wouldn't even say that all of the Power 5 teams have a chance at winning the national title. Yeah. Because there are some, like, you know, if Indiana has a full season and they go 11 and one, like, are they going to be that fourth team in the playoff? Probably not. Mm-hmm. So like there's a, you even take, I would say of the 60 some power five teams, there are maybe 20 who legitimately have a shot at winning the national title in any one year. And, you know, maybe you come and you say, Oh, well, if you win the PAC 12 or something, maybe, but at this point, the number of teams that legitimately have a chance to win the national title is very small. And if you change it, you just let all the conference champs in, that's fine. You know, 12 gives four buys, so the teams who are really good, you know, don't have to play that extra game if, if you want to go that way. But it's there has to be a number big enough where every team that starts its season in the fall has a legitimate chance. Then they go, we can play for the national title. And right now that that doesn't exist. If you're one of the the non-power five schools that's it's just not going to happen like if cincinnati didn't get a chance if ucf didn't get a chance you know it's it's just not going to happen and that's that's a shame and it's it's frustrating and i don't know if because you know we both went to valpo like we went <laughs> to a mid-major school we kind of extra feel this way and if you know we'd both just done our undergrad at big power five schools maybe we'd feel differently but like it's it's just so weird that you look at it and say, yeah, we su- endorse this system where not everybody gets a chance. Like, yeah. It's the, it's the reason we love the college basketball tournament. It's, it's absolutely. So that's, you know, I, I will leave it up to other people smarter than I am to figure out what number works best. I mean, I don't know if you need six wild card spots. I think 12 is a good number, but if, if people want 16, that's, that's fine. Right. 24. I, I, if you do 24, you have the same percentage of, teams that make the uh basketball tournament so that's the a fun FCS, one to think about fcs does 24 yeah. so it can be done um but it, it, it's got to be something like and, and would coastal carolina would they have beaten alabama this year probably not but at the same time we're never going to know because they never got a shot at it yeah so so give them their shot and you know now you can't say that Thanks to UMBC from a couple years ago, <laughs> now you can't say any longer that there are no guarantees that a team from a really small conference couldn't beat one of the absolute best teams in the country because it happened. And, and you know, on on any one night, anything can happen. So um, it, we got to we we should be striving for more inclusion, not yeah. trying to keep all these teams out of it. Yeah, and you talked earlier about how the way it's set up. These top recruits, all the five stars, just go to the teams that get into the playoff. Now, what if all of a sudden you're looking at 
a bunch of recruits want to go play at Ball State because they look at, oh, well, it wouldn't be too hard for us to win the MAC. That's the same path to get into the playoff and get that opportunity as going to Auburn would be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because now I think that's a thing that would absolutely happen. Um, you know, you look at it and you go, or, or you might even get guys who don't decide to up transfer because now you go, hey, if you're a really, really good player at Ball State or at San Jose State or at Coastal Carolina, right now you're looking at it and you go and you see the same thing sometimes happen in college basketball where guys, you know, are at good mid-major schools and they go, I want to try and win a national championship. And the idea is that, you, you know, whether we think this is good or not, I think the conventional wisdom is that you can't necessarily do that at a mid-major school. So you get a lot of guys who up-transfer. A, a guy uh, from our school, Javon Freeman Liberty, yep. did that transferring to DePaul. Um, so, but I think if, if that changed, if, you know, Ball State star running back Buffalo star running back, uh, Jarrett, Jarrett Patterson. Is that, is that the, is that the, yeah, I guy think that's from right. Buffalo who's really good. Um, you know, m- maybe guys like that instead decide they're going to stay because they can get to the playoff and, you know, you can make a name for yourself that way and whatever else. I think it, it would just be, it would be better for the sport as a whole for there to be more teams included. Yeah. And I find it kind of funny well, I don't know if I'd say it's funny, but it's it's ironic that we've seen so many commercials, really good commercials too, by the way, where we've seen the NCAA talking about equality. And it's like, well, NCAA, where's your equality? Where 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 set an example here with the playoff. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's you know, they kinda wash their hands of it, letting the, the college football playoff be controlled by yeah. you know, somebody else. But yeah. Yeah, it would be. I mean, they figured out how to run a playoff in every other system. <laughs> right. For every other sport at every other level, they can figure it out. Yeah, totally. So, hey, guys, if you like this conversation about expanded playoff, I wrote a piece on my website, jackvita.com. I wrote some uh, pitched ideas of what expanded playoffs could look like, including an 18, a 12 team, 16. 24 and 32 just for the fun of it honestly though andrew i feel like i kind of goofed it up i should have done your idea with the 12 and 16 i don't know why i didn't think of that that we could have all the conference champions in there i mean it's just kind of one of those things you know you decide you know and it's it's when they talk about ncaa basketball tournament expansion i hate to keep using it as an example but it's one of those things where you know at some point, you decide, okay, which at-large teams, okay, I think they're 34, 35 at-large teams. So the difference between being number 35 and number 36, do you have a legitimate claim? Because usually one of those last teams in, not going to win the national title. Right. So then you just kind of decide, okay, do we want two? Is it? Is it? I mean, sometimes I feel like it would be hard. 16 might be difficult if you go with all conference champs just because there are so few years where I feel like you look at, you know, there's sometimes where I feel like we struggle to try and get the fourth team into the playoff to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Like you're picking between, I mean, it was this year it was between Notre Dame and Florida and Texas A&M and Cincinnati and, um, you know, deciding whether those resumes were worthy. So it, trying to find six might be hard. Maybe it wouldn't be. Um, you know, but 
but 12, 16, you just kind of depend. Do you want the, the top teams to get a bye? Do you want to not worry about that? 16 is an easy number. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, the TV folks would say 16 is better because there'll be more games, more right. games, more money, more money makes everybody in the media business and in the, the college <laughs> athletics yep. business as a whole happy. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe 16 is it. We'll, we'll see, but there, there needs to be something, you know, and, and then we can go on later and decide. I, I think first round games should be at home. Um, yeah, that'd be good. Did you ever think because, that you'd come around and wanting to have the playoff this big? Uh, you know, I, it, it sort of worked its way out. I, I thought six for, a, I thought six for a while. I've seen, you know, people make, uh, good arguments for six, um, because, you know, that takes care of insurers that the power five all get in there. But like the last few years with teams like UCF and, and coastal yeah. and all that, like if you have a good team, you should have a chance to win the national title. It shouldn't be, oh, well, you have to have a good team and you have to be in one of the five leagues that make the most money or yeah. that have the most resources or whatever else. Like, if you have a good team, you should have a chance to win the national title. And that doesn't exist now. So Yeah. Well, Andrew, I got a few more things let's run through here because we're uh, short on time. College basketball, Gonzaga, they look great. <laughs> Jalen Suggs is awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. College hoops. Uh, Northwestern's been a good story. Michigan State, 0-3 in conference play. Pretty unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's hard to watch. You know, and, and again, we've had more non-conference opportunities here, so you get a little bit better sense. Yeah. But, I mean, Michigan State's best win right now is Duke. And... You know, the name Duke makes it sound like that's a really good win. In reality, we have no idea if Duke is any good. Yeah. Because they, they lost to Michigan State. They lost their um, – they lost Illinois. You know, that they haven't beaten one of those, quote, marquee opponents. They they didn't play in uh, that the battle for Atlantis that they were supposed to. Um, so they kind of did the, did their own thing and – so we don't know. And, you know, Duke is struggling a little bit. Michigan State. Uh, Kentucky is really struggling, which, again, Kentucky. this is why this college basketball thing is so much better, that it would be the equivalent of all of a sudden we're talking early in the season, oh, is Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State, are they legit? Right, right. And, uh, you know, I mean, Gonzaga is going to get a chance to be and will most likely be one of the the top seeds. Uh, it's really a shame we didn't get that game against Baylor. Um, so I guess we'll have to hope we get Gonzaga and Baylor sometime in Indianapolis in March or April. But a Gonzaga wouldn't exist in college football. Yeah, like it's it's impossible for that to happen. And you know, Mark Few has never missed the NCAA tournament as coach. And you know, it, it's probably still too early to start talking about whether they'll be entering the NCAA tournament undefeated, but they've got a really, really good team. Oh, yeah. Um, they can score from anywhere, and, uh, you know, what they did to Iowa, what they did to Virginia, like, they Virginia is probably, 
and, and maybe this is an indictment of the ACC just like it is for football, um, but Virginia is probably the best team in the ACC. Now, maybe Florida State, may, maybe Duke, maybe that, that, that kind of evens out, but you know, they're as there is good as anybody in that league, and Gonzaga made them look very, very average. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, I mean, they're, they're just so much fun to watch. Oh, they really are. It's it's great to see. All right, the best bowl game that you've watched this year has been what? Um, I think I'll go with yours. Uh, you you talked about it a, a while ago. The Cure Bowl with I think it was Cure. Maybe it was yeah. the Camilla. I can't remember which yeah, it was. Yeah, was a Cure Bowl. Uh, Co- Coastal and Liberty was thoroughly entertaining uh, from start to finish. Uh, two really good non-Power 5 schools, giving it all they had, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, th- I enjoyed Army in West Virginia. Yeah, that was well. a good one. Liberty Bowl, that was a good one. Um, there, there honestly haven't been a ton of really good ones to choose from, but uh, those were two of the better ones. Yeah, for sure. And finally, as we look ahead to this championship game, and by the way, we'll have to talk about it another time, but it's crazy how the final four that we get in college football i was looking at this so this was year seven of the playoff we've had 14 of these semifinal games and now with seven of these so or sorry so 14 semifinal games only three of them have been decided by one score so these teams that we keep talking about well oh these are the teams that'll make it a game these are the ones that'll make it a good game Never close. We haven't gotten too many real great opening round college football playoff games. Okay, so there was Oklahoma, Georgia, and the Rose Bowl. Yep. Not Florida State. I have to go by year. Not Florida State, Oregon. <laughs> no. Not Ohio State, Alabama, because I think that was a two-score game. It was I actually think. a one-score. I think Alabama scored late. but Oh, did they? Alabama, okay, so that was, that- I mean, Ohio State won that game pretty handily, and that's one of your examples. So, So that was one... Okay. What was the third one-score game? Clemson-Ohio State last year was the other oh, one. Oh, right, right. Okay, yeah, 29-23. Okay. Yeah. But pretty wild. I mean, again, we have such an awesome sport with such a lame postseason system. It needs to be improved. Nevertheless, Ohio State-Alabama, and I want to hear your pick, Andrew. Uh, I'm going to pick Alabama. I don't know if I'm going to, like... I don't know if I like that seven and a half point spread. Yeah. Um, they just have so many weapons and not even so much like offensively. They're so good, but defensively, I feel like they're on a whole other level. Although they did give up 40 points to, to Florida and 40 some to, to Mississippi. I, I think their defense is going to be different from what Ohio state saw in Clemson. Um, don't know how badly Justin Fields is hurt, although he certainly didn't seem to have any ill effects. It didn't seem to bother him too much last night, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I I just hope it's a good game Yeah. Um, for as, uh, rough as the semifinals have been, except for, well, I guess the last two championship yeah. games have not have not been particularly enticing. Uh, with Clems- with Trevor Lawrence's coming out party, and then uh, you know Joe Burrow last year. So we should be due for a good title game. Um, I mean, certainly, I guess my my Michigan side uh, hopes Alabama wins, although it's weird <laughs> rooting for Nick Saban. Um, but it won't just want it to be a good game. 
you, you hope that it is. You always want the last game of the season to be entertaining and enjoyable. Um, but I, 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 I just I think Alabama has too many weapons on offense. Yeah, and hope and uh, may very well have the Heisman winner on there. I guess we'll find out on Tuesday. I'll save my pick for my weekend playoff uh, football preview coming out later this week. I'll speak with Jordan Morandini. I'll give my pick then. So I get a little more time to think about it, Andrew. That's fair. That's fair. Fair for me, I guess. <laughs> Not fair I mean, for you. Po- I mean, it's your podcast, so you, yeah. you, should, you should get the benefit of the doubt. When it comes to <laughs> for sure. Well, this was a lot of fun, man. Uh, we're going to have to do another one of these uh, sometime maybe later this month or early February to recap some college hoops i'm excited once uh once this football season ends and hey it was a it was a fun season nevertheless even though i hate that i spend so much time uh griping with the way that they have formatted this thing it was a really fun season and college football still awesome nevertheless i am excited for a week from now shifting that focus entirely over to college basketball should be a lot of fun yeah yeah, I'll be honest. I'm actually making that official shift today. Uh, I don't know why. This is not not to keep you. I don't know why there are bowl games after the national semifinals. Yeah, like, that's weird. Like 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 nobody is like we're not going to be. I'm not going to be uh, beyond because it's you know college football. But like I don't have a vested interest in Texas A&M or North Carolina. Whereas I feel like if the game had been played on the 31st it would be different. The The New Year six should be three on the 31st and three on the first. Yeah. And that's just how it should be. And then you shouldn't, if you want to do those other minor bowls, like you want to do the Gator Bowl, other stuff building up towards that um, on the second or whatever, I guess that's fine. But the six New Year six bowls should be three on the 31st and three on the first, except for days where or years where the first falls on a Sunday. You have to think those ratings are going to be way down this year, considering their NFL games on today. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, I've just already made that that switch to college <laughs> basketball. CBS has a triple header today. Uh, I am in full blown college basketball mode. <laughs> well, I look forward to joining you in that mode pretty soon. So it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. But hey, this was a lot of fun talking, and we'll have to do it again soon. Thanks again for yeah. coming by. And would you like to? plug your social media or anything that you're working on right now uh sure you can find me uh my uh i say this very sarcastically my entertaining insights uh, <laughs> on twitter at a stem double zero um nothing nothing working in the works right now uh for writing we're kind of in a, a slow period before things get picking up uh with uh spring football and all the spring sports that are happening but uh I have a lot of thoughts. Sometimes I put them on social media and uh, everybody else is listening and come on and tell me how wrong I am. (laughs) Good stuff. Well, look forward to having you back soon, Andrew. Thanks, Jack, for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome job today from Andrew Stem. Always a treat having him on the podcast, especially after we talked about him a bunch in the last episode. If you missed that one, go back and check it out. I had a great time talking about the year that was 2020 with Rachel Gerhart and honestly there was so much negativity this past year and that's to be expected when you spend an entire year inside your own homes spending so much time on your screens and looking at social media social media perpetuates a lot of negativity not a lot of positivity we wanted to talk about the positive things from this past year because I believe while 2020 was an extremely difficult year 
it wasn't necessarily a bad year. There were a lot of good things that happened. So I wanted to share some of my personal experiences. Rachel shared some of hers. We talked about some of the things we learned. I thought it was a really great episode. And in addition to that, we also chatted about the U Darvish trade. The uh, Cubs just made that big trade earlier in the week as well as a little bit more college football playoff stuff if you wanted to hear our thoughts going into the game. And we spent a solid half hour or so at the end of the episode discussing MTV's The Challenge, three episodes in now. That's been a lot of fun to watch each week. And finally, we also wrapped up the greatest of all time Christmas movie bracket. So hopefully we'll we'll definitely have another bracket coming out soon. And coming out this week, I will be recapping week 17 of NFL action. And then later in the week, I will be speaking with Jordan Morandini and we will preview Wild Card weekend as well as the college football national championship. It's going to be a great week. And I think I'll stay tuned. Make sure you're connected to my social media. I'll tweet out more updates. I think we're going to do a live stream for that episode. So when I find out the information and the details, and if we do in fact go live, I can tweet something out about that and post it on my Facebook page. So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jack Vita Show, Facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Again, great stuff coming out this week. You don't want to miss it. Until then, however, I am Jack Vita, bringing the dance lobsters. 